What a one, peeps, what a one. It's Valerie's here. And today we're reading Reiki Made Easy. Heal your body and your life with the power of universal energy. And today we're starting with chapter one. And it's called The History of Reiki. So let's get going, shall we? As with many great spiritual traditions, Reiki started with just one person. Mikai Yusai. Born in the 15th of August, 19, sorry, 1865, he was smart, eloquent and well-dressed. But as we all know from personal experience, this isn't everything. We also need a dose of luck. And when this goes missing, we can reach rock bottom. McCoy Usu did, did, but if he hadn't, we wouldn't have, if he hadn't, we wouldn't have the gift of Reiki. So, Maikai Usai, the founder, his early life. Quite a few people who practice Reiki divide their lives into before and after Reiki. I will apply the same to Maikai Usai. After all, his life before Reiki provided the ground in which it could blossom. As this is a history book, I'll try and keep this account short. But here are what I consider the six key points about this time. Number one, a time of change. Yusai was born in a time of tremendous cultural and political change. After centuries of almost complete isolation, the country was being open to trade and international contacts by the new Japanese emperor, who even invited other cultures to send envoys and teachers, including Christian missionaries. Internally, the changes were just as dramatic. Democracy was introduced and education, health, industrial production and science exploded. The period is commonly called the Mijai Restoration, named after the emperor. It catapulted Japan to prosperity and international influence. The country said hello to the world. So number two, Yusai with a samurai. Makai. Usai came from a samurai family, the traditional ruling class. Prior to the Mijai period, samurai had been the only Japanese allowed to carry a surname, and the name Usai had a particular history. In the 12th century, a famous samurai warrior, Chaibra Sasuntani, conquered the town of Usai, and subsequently all the members of his clan had this as their surname. This tradition seemed to be of such significance that Mukai, Usai's ancestry, is mentioned on his memorial stone. But he was born at the wrong time. The Magi Restoration scrapped all the traditional privileges and brought into a system of equal opportunity for all. The Samurai's exclusive access to jobs in government, administration and the police was abolished and they now had to make as much effort to establish themselves in a career as everyone else. Still, it's certainly fair to assume that Usai was brought up in the samurai tradition of endurance, physiological reflection, and the practice of martial arts. So number three, rice, was, rice wine was drying up. In any case, there was no need for him to be worried about the loss of privileges. His own future was settled. His family was comparatively well off and at the eldest son, as the eldest son of four children. 
he had one sister and two brothers. He would have been set to inherit the sake brewery his grandfather is said to have owned. His father also owned a trading business. However, during Usai's time, much changed and even this security did not last for long. There is suggestion that his grandfather had signed an affidavit for a friend that could not be paid back. He lost the brewery. Four, number four, two kinds of Buddhism. There doesn't seem to have been much else in little village of Taniyai where the Usais lived. Located in the Gifu district, a mountainous region in southern Japan, it didn't even have a school. As a young boy, therefore, Makai Usai would have been educated by the monks at the nearby monastery. This was common practice in the absence of a school. The monastery belonged to Pure Land Buddhism, one of the biggest Buddhist teaching traditions in Japan, but the monks would have also taught great general knowledge. In his teens, Usai would have continued his education at a school in a larger town. As the dominant de dem demonstration in the region was Zen Buddhism, his local monastery, being only a little Pure Land enclave, this would have meant that during his youth he would have been made aware that it was possible, indeed the norm, to have the same creed yet different paths. While Pure Land Buddhism is centred around the devotion to the Amida Buddha and the help of the Buddharatas, enlightened beings in the spirit world who act as helpers for humans, Zen focuses on meditation, experimental exploration and one-to-one -one teachings from a master. Both traditions later contributed elements to Usai's system of Reiki. So number five, big city politics. Finishing school, Usai was left without a clear career path. As the monastery was, as the brewery was gone, so, and, so he and one of his younger brothers moved to Tokyo, trying their luck in the big city. His brother became a medical doctor. Mikai Usai didn't. In fact, we don't really know what he became or if he even had any formal education in Tokyo. He was smart and ambitious, though, and keen on expending his knowledge. Eventually, he found a position that fitted his interest and personality. As the personal assistant of Shinpoi Goto, who is this day is one of the most revered politicians in Japanese history. A trained medical doctor, he became an official in the health department and drew up his new guidelines for public health, then went on to become health minister, minister for transport and information, interior secretary and foreign secretary. He would also, he was also the first civilian governor of Taiwan, headed the Manchurian Railway and eventually became mayor to Tokyo. He shared his samurai background with Usai as well as a keen interest in the personal development of the individual. He was, for example, the first head of the Boy Scout movement in Japan. When as a mayor of Tokyo, he was presented with the prototype of an affordable watch. He declared that one day even every citizen would be able to own one and called the watch itself Citizen. Following the astonishing success of the product, this was later adopted as the company's name. 
It is not hard to imagine the influence such a man would have had on Mukai Usai, who was eight years younger. <clears throat> Goto would have clearly demonstrated that a combination of determination and values creates the basis for success. There was another benefit to Usai's position too. He could travel. The memorial stone mentioned that he visited the USA, Europe and China, so he would have been able to study different cultures and religions and may have realised that no matter where they were in the world, people were faced with the same challenges. On the one hand, they were struggling with survival and everyday life. On the other, looking for a meaning and truth. They may have used different names and symbols, but they were all on the same path. All this knowledge bore fruit later on when Usai created the system of Reiki and made it accessible to all, regardless of religion or cultural differences. So number six, his life implodes. We don't know how long Usai worked for Goto, but eventually he went his own way. He married a woman called Sa Sadako Suzuki, had two children, son Fuji in 1908 and daughter Tashoko in 1913 and became an entrepreneur. There is no information on the type of business he started. In fact, there are some suggestions that he tried several different careers, but he didn't matter. It wasn't the kind of venture that was important for his development, but its result and there was complete failure. Makai Usai was made bankrupt. I can claim to be a bit of an expert on this subject and it can easily be summed up as a nightmare. My knowledge, however, is limited to what it feels like in 21st century London. We can only imagine what it would have meant a hundred years early, approximately between 1915 and 1918, in a society based on social standing, reputation and achievement and to, to, and to a descendant of the proud samurai. Usai tried anything and everything to get back on his feet. After all, he had a family to provide for, but nothing worked out. The memorial states, he fell into great difficulties. Unsurprisingly, he became depressed and frustrated. So, embracing change. He started to reflect on his life. Was he maybe not meant to return to his old career? Did the universe have something different planned for him? After all, he'd always been aware that there was more to life than just a mundane career. For many years, he is said to have practiced Songinju, an esoteric discipline combining elements of Buddhism, Taoism and Shotoism. Some research suggests that he was already teaching a small group of students this practice. Was this the time to intensify his quest for spiritual development? Was it even an opportunity? Although his decision didn't seem to have been too warmly re received by his family, he resolved to follow his inner calling and joined a monastery. I would like to pause here for a moment as I feel this is, this is the perfect point to really connect with Makai Usai. Difficult times tend to provide a turning point in life and it was the same for Usai as it is for us today. Would I have found my way to Reiki without my bankruptcy? I doubt it. Would you, dear reader, have picked up this book if you hadn't needed healing, either for yourself or someone around you? Probably not. Times of change are times of development. But even after a turning point, life continues to have its ups and downs. 
and Makai Usai was about to face another setback. He joined a Zen monastery, stayed there three long years, and ended up even more frustrated. He hadn't found what he was looking for. As far as he was concerned, it was another failure. So finding Reiki. But what was he looking for? The answer to this can bring us a big step closer to understanding Reiki. Mukai Usai wasn't looking for theory or intellectual understanding. He wanted to know what he, with his heart. He wanted to feel. He knew there was a level of awareness beyond doubt and the need for rational explanation, a place where he can experience complete peace and harmony, or simply just be. Today, this is often described as being in the now. In Japanese Zen Buddhism, it is called Anshin Ritsumiyai. But Usai hadn't been able to take the final step from knowing about something to living and being it. Discussing with his abbot what else he could do, he received the advice that the only way left was to die. Not intentionally, but at least to accept the possibility. We cannot take anything material with us when we die. And this is what Usai was asked to do, to leave everything behind, retreat to the mountains and follow a rigid discipline of meditation and deprivation. He would fast and towards the end, possibly even abstain from drinking and sleeping. These are practices still followed by Eastern Mountain esoterics today. The idea behind them is to give up anything that is normally considered essential in life and experience what li lies beyond. Eventually reaching a state of complete non-attachment or, in Buddhist terms, nirvana. The saying goes that on the path you either find enlightenment or die. Usai withdrew in complete isolation on, monk on Mount Karmana. Kamanayama in Japanese, a place well known by spiritual seekers. After three weeks, the moment of transformation arrived. He felt as if he had been struck by lightning. He had a vision of light so bright that he needed to close his eyes and felt at complete peace with the world. He stopped identifying with his physical body, shed the boundaries of being individual and felt one with everything. Reiki is often translated as universal energy, and at that moment, Usai felt connected to the entire universe. In Japanese, this is called satoi, a moment of sudden understanding, or looking beyond the illusionary veil of problems and seeing the world as it really is. In other words, a moment of enlightenment is a very literal sense. Seeing the light, only light. There is a complete absence of darkness, shadows, pain and desire. Pure being, pure bliss, pure nirvana. No theoretical understanding, no belief involved, just experience, just Reiki. The mountain retreat had served its purpose. Usai was ready to go back. In fact, he probably couldn't wait to go back to share his experiences with his abbot and his family. As he was leaving, a non-famous incident took place. He caught his foot on one of the many roots covering the mountain and tore off a toenail. And it hurt. After all, it was still attached to his body, still a human being. When he leaned down to look at the wound, he placed his hand around the toe and to his surprise, it started to heal. 
He realised that enlightenment had brought him healing powers. He carried on walking down the mountain, eventually stopped for refreshment at any inn, at an inn at the bottom. When the innkeeper's daughter brought him a drink, he noticed that she was in great pain from a tooth infection. Realising he might be able to heal this, or even just deciding to try things out, he asked for her father's permission to treat her, then placed his hand around her jaw, and both the pain and the swelling went down. Mukai Usai had become a Reiki healer. So people, I'm going to leave it there because this chapter is really long. So part two tomorrow. See you soon. Take care. <laughs>